So we know something about nets, right? Uh, I bet some of you have been on the internet today, right? Am I? Yeah. I remember growing up never thinking I would be spending as much time as I do on the internet. Can I get an amen? I mean, mean, emails, uh, there was someone at the early worship service that was talking. He said, uh, my wife has 2,000 emails in her inbox that she hasn't deleted. It's just driving me crazy. You know, I take care of mine every day, but she just lets hers rack up. So none of you have that problem, I know. Uh, And today, we don't need uh, dictionaries or encyclopedias. If there's a question we have, we Google it, right? Ask Google, and Google will come up with the answer for us. We know a little bit about nets today, and we know about phishing today, yes? P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. You know what I'm saying? Where people will be fishing for information. Uh, Somebody poses as a legitimate concern, and they'll try to get information about you, details about your social security number, a credit card, or hack into your email account. Has anybody been hacked here, your email account? Thank you. We have one honest person. Thank you, two, couple. So... (laughs) Kathy, I know Kathy was hacked just a week or so ago. If you got an email from her that she's in trouble in the Ukraine, she's not, okay? <laughs> she is here, fine. Uh, but doesn't that hack you off to have your email account hacked? Yeah, yeah it's, it's very uh, invasive. Uh, we know a little bit about uh, nets. Um, this fishing looks for details in our lives, and I, I wish that Mark had included a few more details in this story. Doesn't it move too fast for you? Uh, There's some holes in the net of this story. It seemed like a lot of fish got away. Uh, Don't you want to ask a bunch of questions about this passage? Uh, I I did when I was struggling with it. But there are some details that he has left us in the nets, which are uh, pretty important. And I found out this last Sunday that details are important uh, because of deflate gate. Anybody watch football here? (laughs) So... Two pounds per square inch in a football that's, you know, deflated so that the receivers can catch it in the cold weather. It's a little bit softer. So anyhow, we're going to pay attention to the details in the story today, just for a little bit here. So the very first line says that that Jesus didn't begin his ministry until after John the Baptist had been arrested. Already we have a big clue. John the Baptist was the one who baptized Jesus in the River Jordan And John the Baptist is being arrested. We know how the rest of the story is going to go. That Jesus is going to be arrested. It's the very same word. He is going to be handed over at the end here. There is a risk. There is a cost in following Jesus. We can't pretend otherwise. It's not always easy to follow Jesus. The word... uh, For time, that Jesus comes in the fullness of time, that word is kairos. And it's not like telling time, hours and minutes and stuff like that. It's God's time, the right time, the fullness of time, that that God comes in a powerful way. And so Jesus comes like that. And he comes proclaiming the kingdom of God. He embodies the kingdom of God. It's not some uh, uh, arcane concept out there. When he walks by, the kingdom is personalized in him. That's what is happening in this passage. The kingdom of God comes in the Messiah, and it's not the Messiah the people were expecting. The people were expecting the Messiah to come as a political or uh, 
military leader. And how does Jesus come? He's an itinerant preaching, walking around the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. So he's just blowing away all these people's expectations by this little detail here. These first followers, these fishermen were not poor. I, I had to go to the commentaries to find this out, but take a look. Uh, it's not just in this story, but uh, Pete, uh, let's see, who are those guys? Peter and Andrew. Just a few verses on, we find out that they have a house. They're, they're not poor. They're not homeless. They're not living on the streets or in their boat. They have a house. And there's James uh, and John. They have hired hands. Did you see that little line there? Uh, they have hired hands. So they're not poor. They're, they're just people like us, ordinary people. And I hate to say this, but they were not the brightest of the bunch either. Okay? And it's not just because they're fishermen. Okay, it's, it, I was reading the commentaries and it said the brightest people would have already been following a rabbi. The cream of the crop, the top 10%, they would have already been following a rabbi because that was the highest calling to study the scriptures, to go into the Torah with a rabbi. These guys are not bad. Fishing is good. We need to eat but it's just not the highest calling in life. And something's a little bit different here too, a detail. Most of the time, people would go after a rabbi. They would go chasing after him. And this one, it's reversed. Jesus comes to people and he says to them, follow me. So he just turns everything upside down as to what people had been expecting from a Messiah. And they do follow him. You know what the word follow him is? And I'm looking here at these acolytes up front here. I'm talking to you guys. The word in Greek is acolyte. How cool is that? You, huh, huh? You, aren't you glad you came to worship today to find out that's what it means? An acolyte is a follower of Jesus. It's the exact word in Greek. And Jesus doesn't call just individuals. I know sometimes we want to make it about me and Jesus, but here, what does he do? He calls two brothers, and then he calls two more brothers. Two plus two is four. He's already building a community, and that's what the Christian faith is about. We become brothers and sisters together in community. Okay, one more little detail. Um, these followers, don't they appear to be groupies? Smile, people. Don't, don't they? I mean... Don't you wish they had done some due diligence here? You know, ask a few questions, do some background checks, get some references. But no, what do they do? They just leave their nets and they follow Jesus. Why do they do that? Why do they do that? I was struggling with this all week long. Why do this? It doesn't seem rational. Um, I would have been more careful before starting to follow it wasn't until Thursday, Hillary, I was coming to see you and your husband in the hospital, driving in the driving rain, and Kyle, yeah. And it came to me as I was driving along there. They followed Jesus because Jesus said, I want you. <laughs> Maybe no one had ever pointed out these common fishermen and said about them, I want you, you're special. You, there's something in you that's, that's really wonderful. Look, can we see that slide? Y'all remember this? Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you? I mean, does Jesus maybe see more in you than you see in yourself? And says, uh, I, I don't care what you do. I don't care who your family is or what your educational level is or, or, or anything else about you. I want you. 
Because I love you. I love what Jeff was doing. We're drawn to Jesus. That's the imagery of the nets. We're not captured or trapped. We're, We're drawn to him because Jesus says to us, I want you. I'm hoping that you have heard Jesus say that to you. I I want you. Sometimes it may be uh, issued through a a group, a community, or person. I know that for me that really happened when I was at Texas A&M at the Wesley Foundation there. And there the campus minister saw some gifts in me, and it was reinforced by others. And uh, they would... uh, uh, started to develop me as a leader, and I would be one of these guys that would go out and uh, would look at uh, one of these little country churches and measure the square feet and estimate the, the gallons of paint, and I'd go up on the roof and do the square feet and get the squares. It's a hundred foot uh, that you measure a square feet, and, and do, we'd go out on the weekends, we Aggies, and we'd just paint a little country church or roof a little country church, and it felt good that people saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, and it helped me to lead Bible studies, and if you're going to lead a Bible study, you have to read the Bible, you know, it's helpful. So, I, I, you know, I started really struggling and studying the Bible so I could lead the, and it gave me opportunities to, to preach, and, and here I am today. Jesus said, I want you, and that was mediated through the community of faith. I, I hope you've heard that in, in your own life. And here's the second thing that came to me about why they followed Jesus, and that was they heard a challenge more than the mundane, everyday lives that they were going through. They heard a challenge that really called to the deepest places in their lives. If we could see this other slide. I've been reading the journal of of Ernest Shackleton. He went to the South Pole three times. I already have a sermon for December, for Advent this next year. It's going to be so cool, literally. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. So I'm, I'm... I'm, I'm, reading, I'm reading Shackleton's journey, uh, journal called South right now, and I'm reading it at night, and I just get cold reading it. I just have to put more blankets on. Oh, it's so cold. 30 below. Oh, wow. But this is the ad that Shackleton put in the newspaper when he was going to go on his, uh, his third expedition. Let's read this. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, Long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. Ernest Shackleton. Smile. This is this wonderful. 5,000 men showed up. I am not making this up. He interviewed every one of them. He chose 26. There was one stowaway that got on board. That's another story you'll have to wait for in December. What is it? A challenge says, oh, I, I'm stretched beyond me. I have to depend upon you. It's a matter of faith. It's, it's leaping out there. It's trusting you, trusting in the good news. Wow. Sometimes we guys, we need a challenge. Am I right? Yeah. David Graham has a challenge for us. He's going to be leading a walk to Emmaus here in, in February. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and I know you still have room for some other guys, I some sure other do. men. Yeah. We have uh, 18 signed up right now, and we have room for 36, so we can fill, we can fill this walk up. I promise you it will be an encounter with the living Christ. It is so full of God's love. I, I've been on this walk, 
and it can be life-changing. Can, can you set aside three days, a Thursday evening through a Sunday evening, guys? See David after this worship service because... Men want it. Men want <laughs> 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 Maybe not 5,000, but we'll see. <laughs> so please see David after this worship service. I've seen men come alive because they've answered the challenge of following Christ. I've seen women come alive. Uh, Linda's not with us this day. Uh, Linda, I, we just found out had an accident this morning. And, uh, right? The stick has been pulled out of her foot. But Linda has uh, been heading up efforts in this congregation for the Women's Storybook Project where women from this church will go to prison and they will help an inmate there read a book for her child. They'll tape that book. They will send the book and that audio tape to the child so that the mother and child can be connected. I know we did painting over there at their offices yesterday. Some, some youth and adults went there. It's, it's life-changing when you answer this challenge. I, I love to see youth, the, the, the light go on in their eyes when uh, they'll go on these mission trips, and, and especially like Recre in North Carolina, and and youth that you couldn't ordinarily get up before 10 in the morning in the summertime, get up at 5 in the morning so that they can cook breakfast for other youth so that they can go out and do these work projects and, and work all day in the hot sun up on top of the roof roofing them. And I know that that's about Jesus and, and answering that challenge. I, I love to see children at children's first worship service getting up here and leading worship for us, not being uh, passive uh, People just sitting in the pew, but uh, doing the word of the day and singing and, and leading prayers. I, I know that's about answering the challenge. It's a challenge to live as a Christian today. Yes? I mean, it, marriage? I mean, isn't it a challenge just to stay faithful to this one person for all of these years, right? I, I, it is. Isn't it a challenge to raise kids in this crazy, busy world and to sometimes say no? I, my, are, we, we have to make some choices here, isn't it? As a congregation, because we are a community, Jesus is challenging us. Yeah, we have this board meeting uh, on, on Tuesday night to determine the budget for 2015, and we're this far apart. It's not about the money. <laughs> it's about our faithfulness. It's about how much do we trust Jesus? What is he calling us to do? I am not scared about this. It's a wonderful challenge for us to address. There are bigger challenges for this congregation than the money thing. It's about how do we fight racism? How do we address poverty? How do we uh, tackle homelessness? How do we uh, get to issues of, of hunger in our community? How do we dispel the notion that, that faith is about attacking your enemy and trying to destroy them in the name of God? How, how do we live out this this love that, that, that Jeff was showing us in the net, that we're, that we're drawn to Jesus and His ways. When we do that, then we will see net results when we answer the challenges that Jesus presents to us. The good news is that Jesus says to us, follow me. And when we're drawn to Him, He will make changes in people's lives. That's the good news I have to share. Amen.